Man, wow. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in praise. Come on, one more time. Spirit-filled worship, leading us to the spirit-filled word. Praise, praise God. A, a, around spirit-filled people, this is what it's supposed to be like, amen? Praise God. Well, so good to be here today, continuing in our God of More series. If you're watching online, we just want to honor you, welcome you to Walk Church here today. So glad that you're here joining us as well. So we've been in this series, and I just want to jump in and pick it up right where we've left off last week. And, and let me just say before I do that, if you're a first-time guest, just like Pastor Joseph said, we honor you. We're so glad you're here. We'd love to meet you and hear more of your story. It means more than you know that you're here, and we'd love to connect with you and see you take your next step. We want to help you take your next step. So if this is your first time here, and this whole singing thing is weird, I remember when I felt that way, and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to keep taking my next step, and now we're here, so we want to invite you on this journey. Come on, the Christian life isn't a sprint, amen? Right, this is a marathon. If there's ever been one, it's the journey of following Jesus, and God wants to do more in your life, and so we've been on this journey um, in this series that we've titled, The God of More. This comes from Ephesians chapter 3, specifically verse 20 as a theme verse for this series. It says, now to him who is able to do far, say it with me, far more. God God has the ability. You got to be awakened to the reality that God has this grand, grand size ability to do more. And I don't know about you, but I just want to experience that. I want to tap into all of the more God has for my life, and I want you to tap into the more that God has for your life so that we can together collectively tap into the more God has for our lives, amen? And so we've been on that journey. We talked about how God wants to do more in us. We've talked about how God wants to do more in our church. We talked about how God wants to do more in our city. We spent a couple weeks talking about that. Last week, Pastor Vernon talked about the requirement of more, how more requires more, and today I want to start a, a two-part, actually a three-part series. We'll see. It might even go four-part. How God wants to do more in our nation. Amen? Do you agree with that? The word amen just means I agree. All right? So amen? God wants to do more in our nation. That God has not given up on America. I believe God wants to do more in America. It just so happens that God has placed each one of us in the United States of America, we all have different stories and backgrounds and cultural ethnos that we bring into the room here today, and God has placed us here in this nation, and I believe that the Bible would declare that God wants to do more here. And so what I've done is I've just began to pray through what that means, what that looks like, what would be an argument biblically for that statement, and I feel like God has directed my heart and attention to a passage out of the Old Testament book, 2 Chronicles. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn me to 2 Chronicles. We're going to be looking specifically at chapter 7, and we're going to identify verse 14, and then begin to work on that verse from there. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. Come on, if you're on the chat right now online, just type in ready. And if you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat from the Word of God here this morning. Father, before we eat, eat from your Word, speak to us. Teach us, calm us, humble our hearts, 
Help us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to love, slow to be offended. And God, even right now, help us to be still. Remove any distractions so that we don't miss this word. God, we want to hear this word. And God, the truth is we don't, we don't need to hear another word from a person. We need to hear a word from God through a person. And so, Lord, we ask you to do that to us today. Speak to us. Teach us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Let's read it all together. Ready? One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What a declaration and a promise from the God of more. This is a verse to me that just proves God is able to do more. And I really believe this verse would teach us today that God wants to do more. Now, before we jump into this passage, I do want to make a quick statement theologically that this I am fully aware of is a Old Testament passage written thousands of years ago, specifically to a group of people in Israel, in the Israeli nation, at a specific place and point in time. And so I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm, I'm recognizing that. However, with, with that being said, I do still believe that God is giving us a glimpse, or should I say a prescription, or maybe a remedy of some principles that we could apply today still that would get his attention still and would move him into action still in America as well. Amen? We believe that the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes this phrase. He says, every promise from God, here's a promise. He says, if you do this, I'm going to do that. Paul would say, in Christ, every promise from God is now yes and amen for his people, for those who would claim the name of Christ. And here we are in the room today. If you don't know Jesus, then I wouldn't call yourself a Christian. But for those who do claim the name of Jesus, we claim the name of Christian, which means Christian, which means we're, we're, we're on team Jesus. We're following Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. We are called by his name. Amen? Like if they said, what, what name do you follow? Christ, Jesus. So there's principles that we can take out of this Old Testament passage as people who are called by his name and begin to even lay them over our own lives and say, okay, this, this moved God into more then. I believe this can move God into more now. And so we're going to be looking at that for the next few weeks and believing that if we can really take some application from this one passage, we would see God do more. Amen? Check this verse out with me in your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. I just want to go ahead and make this argument one more time for you before we lean into this first point. It says, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. This was the Apostle Paul before he got his name changed. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. This is the church in action. This is discipleship happening. We see Barnabas grabbing 
Paul, who Paul felt outcast because he, was, he didn't quite fit in with the Jews, he didn't quite fit in with the Gentiles, so he's kind of by himself, but praise God for Barnabas, amen, who says, I'm going to go find somebody who feels lost, and I'm going to bring him to church. I hope that you can be somebody like that. Bring somebody to church who doesn't know Jesus, or bring somebody to church who just feels like they don't fit. This is a place for people who don't fit, amen? You found him. He brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called, say it with me, Christians. This is the first time where the disciples and the believers were called collectively together. Those are little mini Christs. Those must be the Christians. They claim to be Christian. There's another place in Acts 26 where the apostle Paul actually gets positioned in front of King Herod at the time. And King Herod looks at him, he says, are you trying to make me a Christian? And Paul said, I didn't say it, you said it. It was kind of a cool moment, right? Um, and, he, and, and, and notice what was interesting about that passage is even the king at that moment said, this is, this is too quick. I'm not ready to make that decision. Sometimes people aren't ready to make that decision right there on the spot. It's a big decision. We've got to walk with people through this decision. But we see this phrase there. Again, it's people that are called by his name. As Christians, here's what we're saying. Church, we're saying we're called by his name. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means I, I no longer am just identified by my name, but an even greater name, the name that's above every name, Christ. Right? We're on his team, and so that's what it means to be called by his name. So again, I'm saying we can apply this Second Chronicles passage, even though it was written to a specific people in a specific time and a specific location, there's still principles that can, we, we can grab and we can say, hey, this could be true for us too if we would do these specific things that God calls us to do. And not only would I say that, but if you look at the narrative of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you see the people doing these different things, and it continues to get God's attention. So hopefully by now you're like, tell me what the things are. What, what, what could we do to experience God's more? Come on, one more time. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Let me give you the first point today of this part one series, God wants to do more in our Nation. As we look back at 2 Chronicles 7.14, I want to highlight this phrase. If my people who are called by my name, in this case Christians, humble themselves. Now some of you right now are thinking, I think I'm going to get up and go. <laughs> this was not the message that I wanted to hear today. But as I was praying, honestly, seeking God, wrestling with God, you can ask some of our pastors, some, some of the different people that I was engaging with this week, I'm like, God, what is it going to take for us to experience your more? What is it going to take for our nation, our country, our people, collectively, the United States of America to experience your more? I sense the Holy Spirit whisper in my heart, humble yourselves, that this is the first step. And I said, no. It's got to be more glamorous than that. It's got to be more motivating than that. And God said, this has always been my way. If, it's a big, everybody say if. Yeah. We're currently in the if. If my people, those who are in the room today that are called by his name, Christ, humble themselves. We're going to experience God's more 
and our nation. Now, this is a word just for us here today because we only can start with ourselves, right? This is our platform. This is our placement. This is our time. But if we see a ripple effect come from this group of people, we're going to experience God's more. I really do believe that. So that's the first point of the sermon here today. It's simple. It's God wants to do more through humble people. Come on. God wants to do more through humble people. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, friend, be humble. (laughs) Now look back at them and say, no, you be humble. (laughs) Look at the person behind you and say, hey, you, my friend, be humble. Be humble. Right? We're all coaching ourselves with this sermon today. You in the back, be humble. You watching online, be humble. You in the front row, be humble. Everybody look at me and say, pastor, be humble. Come on, right? This is the word for church today. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. Come on, right? It's an if statement. We're going to experience God's more. Let me give you a few definitions for the word humble. We see this in the Greek. It It's this idea of not rising far from the ground. I would have never identified and defined the word humble as that. I was like, okay, I think I got a good grasp on what it means to be humble. Let me go ahead and look at this actual Greek word, and let me go ahead and define it through the Greek Thayer's lexicon. And here's the definition, not rising far from the ground. That's deep right there. I don't know if people are willing to do that. As a condition, lowly, of low degree. To be humble, at least biblically, is to say, I'm I'm willing to lower myself. I'm willing to say, it's not all about me. I'm willing to say, I'm not the center of attention. I'm willing to say, I might not always get it right. I'm willing to say, actually, oftentimes I get it wrong. Check this out. I really believe God's looking for our nation to get to this place because when we're at this place, what we tend to do is go like this. Wow. You must always get it right. You must be really big. You must be really good. It must not even... The reason why we get so mad at other people is because we're looking at other people who are who are prone to let us down. Other people, check this out. This is going to be a marriage tip. Your spouse is like so close to letting you down. It's going to happen. Same with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance. Same with your kids, kids. Same with your parents. But when we can humble ourselves, we take our eyes off of ourselves. We take our eyes off of other people even, and we look up. And we find a God who says, he's like that wrestling match, a tag team. He's like, let me in. Come on, Pastor Dean, right? I, I grew up watching, wrestling's still real, all right? I don't care what you say, all right? Come on, just, and then you finally get that tag, and God's like, I've been waiting to do more. I've been waiting to do more. You just, you forgot I was there. I've, I've been leaning in. I've been wanting to get in the game with you. But you're so prideful that you don't even see me. Webster's definition of humble, not proud. I love that right there. 
What is Webster's Dictionary, what does it mean to be humble? Here's what it means. Not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive, ranking low. Nobody wants to be ranked low, right? Especially, come on, the athletes in the room. We want to be ranked high. We want a high ranking. Come on, I got an amen right there. Yeah, I felt that, yeah. But see, what happens is if we're not careful, we can get that high ranking and start to say, oh, yeah, check out what I did instead of check out what he did. Not proud, not haughty, ranking low, Oxford Pocket Dictionary. Having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Come on, let me just rewind. Having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Come on, help me preach this message to the person next to you. Look at the, friend, the person next to you again and say, hey, friend, one more time. You're not that important. Oh, gosh. Now, please say it back to them. Would you help me? You're not that important. Would y'all come on? Come on. Say it back to me, please. Help me. Oh, it hurts my pride. Good. Good. We need to get to the place where we hear that and we go, man, amen. Yes. That's my goal. That's what I've been working toward. I'm not. But he is. Imagine if our country all began to grasp this reality that, you know what, I'm not that important, but God is. We're not being humble just to be humble, because then you can get a false sense of humbleness, and you can get prideful about being humble. I'm way more humble than you. What? That makes no sense. Dude, you're not even that humble, bro. I'm more humble. What are we talking about, right? No, no. We're being, we're being shaped to be humble, to make much of God, to make much of God's greatness and God's glory and, and God's bigness. I would, I, would get, I would make this argument biblically, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I believe that God is a sovereign God. He's a big God. He has all the attributes. He's glorious. He has eyes, actually, that see, and they see all things. He's omniscient omnipowerful, omnipresent. He's the omni-God. He's omnipotent, right? He is God. And he, in his bigness and in his sovereignty and his providence, has eyes. And he's looking down at America. And you know what he's looking for? Humble people. Y'all like, man, where is that verse? Great question. Let me show it to you. Isaiah chapter 66. We find the God in the Bible talking to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, all these things my hand has made. Can we come into agreement? That God's hands are, he's, he's breathing out stars. He's putting things into motion. He's a great God. And all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I look. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? He who is humble. God's saying, look, I'm looking around for humble people. I mean, I, I, sometimes I, hear, I always test any time I think I'm hearing from God. I don't hear audible voices, but I believe the Holy Spirit impresses things upon us, and we test those things by his word, right? 
But I really believe that God was impressing on my heart the first step to experiencing God's more for our nation is humbling ourselves. And then I started to dig into the word. Convince me, God, through your word. And he said, check out Isaiah 66. All these things I've made, including our little nation. It's not that important. Here's who I'm looking for. I don't think God's looking for red. I don't think God's looking for blue. I think God's looking for humble. Doesn't care what color. That's not going to get too many claps. All right, I'm grateful for those claps in this room. I, I, I understand all that is on the line in this upcoming week. I'm for voting. I think you should vote your conscience and that you should get your conscience shaped by the scripture. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe you should exercise your civil duty and right to vote. I did myself this past week, but here's what I really believe to be true biblically is that God is looking for humble people because I've found that humble people are people that God says I can work with. It tends to be people that are prideful that tend to say, I don't really need God. Actually, I don't have time for God. In fact, I don't even want God. I wouldn't choose God if there was 10 choices. I wouldn't choose him there. That seems to be the posture and the position of the proud. But God is saying those who are humble say, no, I want God. I need God. I can't go another day without God. I'm here to worship God. I'm, I'm, I'm breathing in his grace. I'm breathing out his praise. God. God's saying, I'm looking for humble people, contrite in spirit, who trembles at my word. I wish we could do a, Pastor Mike, I wish we could do a three-part series on humble, contrite in spirit, trembling at the word. I just jump all over these texts, man, right? That, that God is looking. Who's God looking for? Amen? He's looking for humble people. We unlock this virtue. When we unlock this characteristic, when we unlock these principles, what we're going to find is that God is going to meet us there because he's not just looking for humble people. I believe he wants to do something with humble people. He does. We, we see this all throughout the Bible. In the book of Exodus, early on in Exodus 10, verse 3, this is the first time in the entirety of the, book, the, the scriptures that we see this word humble used. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. The first time God identifies this word humble, he speaks it through the prophet Moses and Aaron. He says, Hey, Pharaoh, how long are you refusing to humble yourself? Here's my point today. Maybe you got this lesson here at church today. Stop refusing to humble yourself. you got to stop refusing because some of I, I know how it feels where I know God's calling me to do something. I know God's telling me to say something. I know God's moving upon my heart to, and I just am refusing to humble myself. I distract myself as long as I can. But the quicker we get to this, the quicker we get to God's more. Amen? We see this go further in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, right? 2 Chronicles chapter 7 leads to chapter 12. Then the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves. This is a big moment. 
They heeded the instruction of chapter 7, which leads to chapter 12. They humbled themselves and said, The Lord is righteous. When the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. They have humbled themselves. I will not destroy them. God wants to do more in the land. Amen? He's, he's withholding his wrath due to the people humbling themselves, but I will grant them some deliverance. I believe if we're going to experience deliverance at the level that we want to, come on, how many of you guys know that our nation needs deliverance? Can I get an amen, a, a testify from somebody? Right? It's, we are living in a divided nation. We need to experience no more division. We need to experience deliverance. It's going to start with humble people. I will grant them some deliverance. God says, I'm going to give you some and see how you do with it. My wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shake Shack. <laughs> I don't know what that's in. Shack. I'm getting hungry, I guess. All right. Second Chronicles 12. Come on, you can laugh in church, amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Second Chronicles chapter 12 leads to Second Chronicles chapter 32, where we get introduced to this king named Hezekiah. I love King Hezekiah. He didn't have a perfect story. He's a lot like a lot of us. He didn't finish the greatest, but Hezekiah is a man of God who actually has a moment here where Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. Sometimes we got pride in our hearts, amen? Like you know how to say the right things in church. You can even play the game. You can even wear a mask over your mask. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about, but you got pride in your heart. But when he humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people in the nation, experienced God's more. Both he and the people in Jerusalem. This verse right here is messing me up. So that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. I want to challenge you to ask yourself and seek the Lord and say, God, what does it look like for me to humble myself? What are areas in my life that I just need to Humble myself. Identify for me areas that I'm not being humble. Ask the people that are closest to you. This is a humbling task, okay? To ask the people that are closest to you, do you spot anything in me where I'm not humble? And leave space for the answer. And don't get mad when they tell you the truth. If you're not ready to do it, don't do it, okay? Please. And, and so often... Right? Have you ever heard this? When, when you're pointing one finger, you got three pointing back at you. Right? What happens is we tend to get so defensive. But if you really ask that question, is there anything in my heart or in my life that you sense isn't humble? Don't, don't get so defensive. Just receive it. Because really, God wants to do more in your life. You've got to start to see humble as something that is actually an elevator. Right? God says, the more you humble yourself, the more I'm going to exalt you. But don't humble yourself for the purpose of being exalted because that's false humility. We see this here in Hezekiah's life. He humbled his heart, experienced God's more. Not only do we see God withhold wrath here to humble people, but we can see throughout the Bible that God leads humble people. How many of you want to be led by the Lord? Amen. I want to be led by the Lord. I love some people put two hands up. I want to be led by the Lord. I want our country to be led by the Lord. Amen. Think about a, a nation led 
by the Lord. Wow. Well, here's what David tells us in the book of Psalms. Psalm 25, verse 9. Come on, read this verse with me. Ready? One, two, three. He leads the humble. Woo! Come on, let's keep going. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. If you want to know the ways of the Lord, you got to humble yourself first. If you want to know the right choice to make, you have to humble yourself first. If you want to be led by the Lord, if you want to have a led home by God, if you want to have a a marriage that's led by the Lord, a family that's led by the Lord, a business that's led by the Lord, you have to start by humbling yourself. Do you know how hard it is to preach on being humble? This is a challenging verse for me. A verse that I don't get right enough. But I want to at least be able to humble myself to be able to say, I need this. I need this. I need people to hold me accountable to this. I want our church to be led by the Lord in right decision making. His way. Come on, how many? We need His way, don't we? We need His way above our way. God leads humble people. God saves humble people. Amen? David continues, right? This time in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 22, verse 28, we see David come alive in the book of 2 Samuel. He says, he leads the humble in what is right. Come on, turn with me to 2 Samuel if we can get there. If not, find it with me in your Bible. 2 Samuel 22, verse 28 says, you save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. Challenging verse right here that says God saves humble people. He does. Some people just aren't saved because they're not humble. You got to come to the realization at some point in your life that the only reason you're not saved is because you don't want to be saved. I I believe that God, this is radical right here. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Make sure I say it right. (laughs) I don't believe that God sends people to hell. I believe God gives people what they want. If you don't want God now, you definitely don't want to go to heaven. If you're prideful now and you don't want anything to do with Jesus... You're going to hate heaven. And God is such a good God that he's not going to force you to be somewhere you don't want to be. But God in his grace is so good that you could be on your, you could be on the cross and you could at one moment be hurling insults at Jesus. But in that moment, you could humble yourself and say, he really is the king. I want to be with him. And he'll say, today you'll join me with paradise. Amen. In that very moment God could do that it, the moment you humble yourself and say no I, I do want God I don't want just the things God can give me I want God for God God says come on with me the definition of hell is the absence of the presence of God don't get so hung up on the fire etc don't get hung up on like a big red devil with a pitchfork Get hung up on the idea of spending eternity apart from God. That's the scariest thing I can imagine. 
That's what leads to weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you recognize, man, God's been with me my entire life. He's been looking out for me my entire life. He actually loves me enough to die for me and rise for me and stick with me and be patient with me. And then I turn around and he's no longer there. That's hell. And so get it right now. Because there's not a second chance when you get there. Right? And so God is saying, humble yourself because I save humble people. Psalm 147 verse 6, David again says, the Lord lifts up the humble. Amen? Because it's the humble that say, lift me up. It's typically the humble that say, you know what, actually, I do need help. I found that too, too long in my life. Too many years went by where I just thought, I don't need help. I don't need help. I could do, I mean, I'm strong. I'm, I'm not soft. I don't need help. God says, yes, you do. You're not that important. You're not that strong. You're not that cool. Let me lift you up. So many people feel down. Let God lift you up. America is the, by a large number, the most, uh, we, we lead the world in antidepressant drugs prescribed. It's not even close. We have more people that are struggling with depression than any other nation in the world. And so many people feel down. And it's very real. And I don't want us to walk past it. I want us to lean into it and try to help people that are hurting. And it takes time. And it takes grace. And it takes humble people. I think that the, the place you start, though, before you even start with a counselor, is you start by humbling yourself. Saying, God, I need help. I need you to lift me up. Tap into the promise of Psalm 147, verse 6, that says, God, lift me up. I need to be lifted. Come on, how many of you guys know that God lifts? He's a lifter. He lifts us up. Wicked people get put down. But God says, man, I want to lift you up. Let me lift you up. America, let me lift you up. I believe God is he's breathing on America saying, let me lift you up. God wants to lift us up, amen? But the, the prerequisite is to be humble. Psalm 149, verse 4. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. I love that verse right there. Amen? God finds pleasure in his people. Jesus is at church today. Y'all know that, right? He's here right now. His presence is here right now, and he is enjoying this service, and he adorns the humble with salvation. God adorns the humble. He helps the humble. He saves the humble. He lifts up the humble. He leads the humble. He looks down at the humble. He adorns the humble with salvation. Are y'all catching this point or not? They say that people leave church and they remember only one thing. God wants to do more through humble people. That's, that's the one thing. Every day I take time. You guys probably know. If you don't know, um, my name's Hayden, and I, my wife Nina and I, we have three little boys, uh, five years old, almost three, and one years old, one year old. And, uh, and every day I take time to just pray over them. I'll pray over their rooms. I, I, like when they go to sleep or when they wake up, I'll just lay hands on and pray over them. But one thing I never pray that I started praying this week, God, I just pray that they would be humble. Just never prayed that. I pray that they'll be great. <laughs> pray that they'll be, that you'll protect them and bless them. And 
But you know what? I changed my prayer this week. God, I just pray that these would be humble men. Because I know if they're humble, you're going to take care of everything else. I'm praying for humble leaders. Amen? That's a word. I know if they're humble, you're going to lift them up. If they're humble, you're going to lead them. If they're humble, you're going to adorn them without salvation. Praying that they would be humble. In the book of Proverbs, like Psalms leads to Proverbs. David had a son. His name was Solomon. And Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Toward the scorners, he is scornful. You don't want God to scorn at you. (laughs) But to the humble, he gives favor. Amen? Come on, where's my brother Joseph at? Come on, Favor City Church right there. That's a word right there. Uh, Right? Humble people get God's favor. God looks at the humble. He leads the humble. He goes, oh, let me get the favor and let me give it to humble people. Come on, right? I want to see God's favor on our nation. I want to see God's favor on our church, on our people, on our families. It's going to start by being humble. This is the hardest thing to do, to be humble. But God says, if you can do this and unlock this, you're going to experience God's favor. Not only will you experience his favor, but Proverbs 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. When you humble yourself, you experience God's favor. But also you experience God's wisdom. If you sense disgrace, like, man, that was disgraceful. It's because first was prideful. When you experience God's wisdom is because you experienced what it feels like to be humble. We tend to learn so much wisdom when we're humble. Like if you have brought this posture into the room today, I already know it all. Number one, you don't. And number two, you're not going to learn anything. But today, if you humble yourself and say, I don't know it all. I want to learn today. I want to receive today. God, I want to get better today. I'm open. Speak to me, Lord. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get wisdom from God. Sometimes you'll get stuff that didn't even come from. Sometimes people say, man, pastor, what a word you gave today. When you said this, and I'm like, I didn't even say that. But praise God, God gave you some wisdom today. I got this from the word today. Because you're humble, you get wisdom from God. God wants to impart wisdom to you today. This is not just something we should strive for for what we can get, but this is something we should strive for for what we can be. That we, we can be humble. I love what the prophet Micah says. In chapter 6, verse 8, Micah is writing to the people of Israel. This is a long time after 2 Chronicles, right? This thread of being humble finds itself in the old and the new. That's why I can preach from a 2 Chronicles passage and say, it's still true today in 2020. He says, he has told you, man. <laughs> I love it. Micah's like, didn't you read Chronicles? Oh, man. He's told you. This is what is good. What's good? Let me tell you what's good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Don't walk prideful. Walk humble. I've been asking myself this question lately. Why did Jesus pick the disciples he picked? Come on, amen, right? What 
Why didn't he go to the synagogue and say, I want the top Pharisee, I want the best rabbi, I want the most Bible knowledge, I want the perfect synagogue attendance, I want all those guys, I want y'all to follow me. Because he must have thought, these guys aren't going to walk humbly. They're going to always be trying to correct me, always trying to one-up me, always trying to move it back to themselves, always trying to catch me. Look, whenever the Pharisees show up around Jesus, it says they were trying to catch him. Why y'all always got to be so critical? If you actually showed up to listen to Jesus, you would have caught something. Then the Pharisees and the scribes pulled up on Jesus to try to trip him up. Why? <laughs> like, why don't you just show up and get better? You can get bitter or you can get better. I love that, you know, Nicodemus pulled Jesus aside in the nighttime and said, yo, Jesus, I know I'm a Pharisee, so I got to keep this low key. But can you teach me? <laughs> and Jesus goes, I could definitely teach you, bro. Come on. I walk with humble people. There must have been something about the average fisherman where they needed help. Peter never catches any fish. James and John, they, they, they're, they're, they're average. Right? Like Bartholomew, Thaddeus. We don't even know about these guys. They're super average. But they were humble. How do you know? Because Jesus walks with humble people. He says, if you walk humble, if you do justice, if God is a God of justice, we should lean into justice because that's who God is. And, and we should love kindness. We should love kindness. Man, that's good right there. That's hard. And we should walk humbly with God. When we walk humbly with God, we experience God's more. He's the God of more. Micah leads to Zechariah. Zechariah, this minor prophet, again, is teaching us what it looks like to be humble. We're almost done here, you guys. But I could take you on a long journey. We could just go from book to book. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Hold up. Righteous, having salvation is he. Say it with me. Come on, say it with me. Humble and mounted on a donkey. He's not coming on the big, powerful white horse. He's humble. He's on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He's on the baby donkey. Jesus is saying, here's how I'm coming in. I'm coming in humble. How does the Messiah come in? The, there was a lot of Jewish people that were mistaken because they thought the Messiah was going to come down on a horse. He was going to cut off the head of Herod and Pontius Pilate. He was going to take his seat in Israel and he was going to reign as the Messiah. And they were right. But not yet. He's coming back and Jesus isn't coming back right, to play patty cake. Amen? Jesus coming back with the sword in his hand on the horse, taking over a new heaven and a new earth, and the saints are going to be with him. It's going to be like an Avengers movie, but with Jesus leading the church, I mean, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be so good. But first, he comes humble. He's coming with salvation. He's coming with healing. He's coming with power. He's coming with righteousness. He's coming to you. And Jesus does come, doesn't he? And he's born in a manger. What a humble spot. He identifies Mary. Do you know why God chose Mary? Mary, in the Gospel of Luke, writes a song. 
And in her song, she says, you've looked upon the humble and have chosen me. Wow. You might be asking, how come God hasn't done more with me? You got to check your humble stats. How am I doing in this area? Because God tends to look upon the humble and call the humble and walk with the humble and goes, I'm going to do a lot with the humble because they're open. They want to be used by him. Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, the humble servant grows up and he says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Wow. Jesus elevates greatness to serving. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus discipled Peter and James that way. James, the brother of Jesus. Peter, the disciple of Jesus. They both walked with Jesus, and they caught it. And here's how I know they caught it. Because James wrote a letter to the church, and Peter wrote a letter to the church. And let's look at James' letter. James chapter 4, verse 6. Come on, but he gives more grace, amen? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. They caught the message from Jesus. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. He's saying, humble yourselves. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. The same words of Jesus are the same words of James here. And then Peter later on would write his own letter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. He says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. My, my greatest fear is that God would say, I'm opposed to America. I want God to give grace to America, amen? I want God to be opposed to me and my family and my country and my city. I want God to give his grace here. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. If we can get this walk, church, there's enough people in this room, right? Just this room and that are watching this online. If we can really get this and we can lean into this and tap into this, from the youngest to the oldest, we will experience God's more. Amen? We'll experience his leadership. We'll experience his wisdom. We'll experience his grace. We'll experience his help. He'll lift us up. He'll save us. He'll do it all. If America is going to experience God's more, America must become humble. Period. God gives grace. I wonder what that definition of grace looks like. The, the grace that God would give us. Of course, the picture of it is in Jesus. He is the picture of grace. John chapter 1 says, grace came into this world, and his name is Jesus. Grace and truth, right? But I believe there's so much in this grace that we could, we could tap into if we could experience what it means to be humble. As we close right now, I want to um, give us just one way to live out the second point of this sermon. Here's the second point, right? The first point is God wants to do more in our nation through humble people. The second point is God wants to do more in our nation by remaining humble. <laughs> the second point is just a continuation of the first. I'm sorry. 
I couldn't get more creative than that. God's saying, look, here's the second point. If you keep doing the first point, you'll experience the second point. Too often what happens, Bashan, is what happens is we get this for a week and then we just move on to what's next. I don't know that there's much more. God's saying if you would just do what's next and remain in that to the point you get to heaven, you're going to just experience more and more and more and more and more. One way, let me give you a pro tip, all right, a secret. Can I give you a secret? Here's one way you can do it. It is not easy to lessen and lower yourself. It's not easy to, to not think of yourself as the main point of attention and so important and make everything about you and it's all about you. It's all about, you know, it's not easy to, to not live that way, right? But here's one way you can. Here's the secret. By fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who humbled himself. Right? Let me show it to you in Philippians chapter 2. This last verse I want to put up on the screen. Philippians chapter 2. It's talking about Christ being found in human form. He, say it with me. God became a man. He put skin on. He has a name, Yeshua, Jesus. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. That's a lot of, a lot of humble pie right there. To humble yourself to the point of even dying. I believe on that final night before Jesus went to the cross as he was sweating blood and he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. There was a moment there where Jesus was saying, Father, I'm about to step into a real moment of being humble. I'm about to go to the cross and die a sinner's death, even though I never sinned. But he went and God then lived out his own word by highly exalting Jesus, bestowing on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. On the first Sunday of every month, we take what's called communion or the Lord's Supper. And I believe this is one tool to help you stay humble. The Lord's Supper is an ordinance given by the Savior himself to the church to help us stay humble. Look at me, church. It's hard to be prideful when you're staring at Jesus on the tree. When you're there and you're seeing Jesus cry out, Abba, Father, why have you forsaken me? Or when you see Jesus' bloody, nail-pierced hands, and he say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's just hard to ha have any more pride at that moment. You just say, all right, Jesus, whatever you want, I'll do it. <laughs> That's what communion is. Communion is saying, I'm looking at the humble Savior. I'm remembering he died for my sin. I'm remembering he rose from the grave. And I'm remembering he wants me. He wants me. So would you pull one of these out? If you're a believer in Jesus today, you believe that he died for you and rose for you, I want to invite you to partake in communion with me. We got these little fancy crackers and juice so you, don't, so you can know that none of us touched them.
and Jesus, when he lifted up the bread, he looked at his disciples and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. As often as you eat of this bread, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my death. Remember my blood. Remember my life. Come on, in this moment of prayer right now, just remember the cross. Whatever sin you have in your life, confess it to Jesus right now. And if it's the sin of pridefulness, just say, God, I'm prideful. I know I am. Help me to be humble. Whatever it takes. I turn away from my past. I turn from my sin. Make me holy. Make me humble. Make me righteous. I confess and I thank you that you died for me through your broken body. Cleanse me of my sins. Heal me, God. By your stripes, I'm healed. I need healing. Our nation needs healing. Our country needs healing. God, I need healing. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take of the bread. And then after that, Jesus lifted up the cup. And he said, this is my blood poured out for many that they would be washed and cleansed and made new. Oh, precious is the flow that washed me white as snow. So whatever you need to do to get right with God, today's the day to get right with God. Get right with him. Father, as we partake in this communion moment, God, as we drink of this cup, cleanse us, God. Cleanse our conscience, God. For there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And God, renew a right spirit in us. Renew a right spirit. Help us to be humble. Cleanse us of our past. We confess your grace. We confess the gospel. Thank you for dying and rising in our place, coming again. We now drink this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this moment, God. This is the day that, that the Lord has made. So we partake in communion right now. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a moment and reflect upon what we just heard. Rashawn, if you feel led to lead us in a response.
Father, we know that your will for us is good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. And I, I believe your will for us is to be humble. And we need supernatural help to do that. So God, help us to be humble people and help us to remain humble people. Father, we're praying for the healing of our land. God, regardless of how the election goes this upcoming week, help us to be humble people. Humble in our hearts, humble in our attitudes, humble in our social media, humble in our conversations in person and public, humble in our conversations in private, humble in our conversations around the dinner table. Help us to be humble. Humble when we're called out and corrected. Humble when we call others out and correct them. Help us to be humble wives and humble husbands and humble children. Humble fiancés and girlfriends and boyfriends. Humble teachers, humble coaches. Humble businessmen and women. Humble leaders. Help us to be humble. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on.